Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia. Today is July 24th, 2021. And today we're going to be continuing our series on Exodus. Uh, We left off in chapter 21, reading the statutes and judgments, which as I look through them, Dan, there's a lot of uh, leniency in the law here, uh, sometimes more than I would <laughs> give, mm-hmm. but so- sometimes it's unusually, uh, uh, you know, pun- uh, punitive. But uh, you know, so it's not for us to judge. The Yahweh you know, uh, uh, put forth the judgments and penalties for various crimes. And uh, we basically have to live with them. The only proviso is that now that we live in an era where there is no priesthood and uh, the courts are totally corrupt, that uh, our judge will be Yahshua Messiah at the judgment day. So, and then, and the scripture says, every uh, every idle word <laughs> you speak will be held against you. So be careful what you say and do. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Words are very important, aren't oh, they? Oh, man. Yeah, they, they can convict you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share this article with uh, the chat room. Uh, does the God of the Old Testament endorse slavery? Why does the Bible never condemn slavery? And from my perspective, Dan, uh, I, I have yet to find an example of chattel slavery that is where the... Uh, owner, quote-unquote owner, owns the uh, servant for in perpetuity. We, we discussed this last time. Unless the slave wants to be, or the servant wants to be uh, indentured to the owner for the rest of his, his or her life, then they uh, puncture the person's earlobe, and then this is a voluntary arrangement, however. This is not forced upon the the servant. It's voluntary. So as we read through these things and as we continue through the rest of the Bible, I'll be wondering, uh, looking for examples of chattel slavery. From my perspective, I have not ever found one, okay? So I don't know. What about you? Have, uh, have you ever... Uh, found an instance because yeah, uh, it translate the word is translated as slave, but uh, when you re- read carefully, it, it's always indentured servants. Okay, so yeah, you know, uh, over to you. Well, the thing about slavery is I can only find three instances where uh, slavery is is allowed, and that is like to make restitution if uh, someone is uh, guilty of, of theft. And they have to make restitution to the victim, but they don't have the, mm-hmm. the money to make that restitution. And they're sold into slavery. You know, right. that's, that's or, one instance. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's indentured servitude. So, folks, if we use the word slavery, it always means indentured servitude unless otherwise specified. <laughs> okay. All right. Back to you. Yeah. And then the other example would be uh, like, I think it's in Deuteronomy chapter twenty. Verse 10, where um, it's uh, the spoils of war. Okay. You know, when uh, you're allowed to keep the slaves as, as uh, you know, the spoils of war. And then the other example would be in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 44 through 46. And that's where, like, uh, a stranger uh, wants to... Um, 
live with us, live among okay, us, right. and then we are allowed to have them as slaves, now that's sojourn a, among us. Yeah. yeah, that's a very interesting case uh, because the Boer people, they never practiced slavery. Okay, they've been accused of it, but they never have. It was the Cape Dutch Afrikaners who enslaved people down there. But the Boer people only accepted black slaves in the case, as you just mentioned, when they, when those black slaves uh, wanted to live with the Boer people and preferred not prefer the company of the Boer people to their own race, right? But even then, they weren't treated as chattel slavery. They were treated very well as house servants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it, go ahead. I don't. I was just going to say I don't think uh, you know Yahweh doesn't intend for us when we have slaves to be, you know, ruthless and and, and right. You know, uh, just horrible. Treat them horribly. You know. Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, we'll go back into uh, sorry Exodus chapter twenty one, and uh, in fact, uh, a master who mistreats a servant. Uh, like we'll read it uh, again out loud. If he, if he strikes the servant and breaks off a tooth or uh, injures an eye, he is to let that servant go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So uh, this is uh, where the punishment of the servant, uh, the master, comes in. So, but we'll get there. <clears throat> Let's t- check out this article first on the uh, what is a biblical slavery. Over to you. Okay. You want me to start from the beginning? Yeah, on this one, yeah. It's not a very long okay. article. Yeah. This is that, okay, the title is, Does the God of the Old Testament endorse slavery? Why does the Bible never condemn slavery? This is actually a misconception. If antebellum Southerners had followed Israel's law, slavery not only would have existed, not would existed. have been treated, so, would, have, would not have existed, but would have been treated as a capital offense. That's a double negative, real close together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not existed. <laughs> Tough one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Regarding kidnapping and slavery, please view the following text from the Torah. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. Okay, now it's interesting. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll look that verse up because we're in Exodus 21 anyhow. And see where the word man comes from. Okay, please continue. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 7. If a man is caught kidnapping any of his countrymen of the sons of Israel, and he deals with him violently or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from among you. This demonstrates that slavery was not the same as the kind we saw in the 19th century antebellum South. There were Northerners involved in the trade, too, for those sensitive to historical accuracy. At that time, trademen went to Africa, kidnapped people, and brought them home to sell them to the highest bidder. And I might want to throw in, we will want to include here that these trade men were actually uh, Jews. That's right. They owned the slave ships. 90% of them, if not more, owned those slave ships. Yeah, exactly. Again, according to these passages, such a practice would be a capital crime in the Old Testament. Instead, persons who were slaves were usually indentured servants paying off a debt. A resident employee who temporarily was living in the employee's household to work off his debt to him. Sometimes it was for other reasons, such as when a financial disaster hit a particular household. 
the family would often sell themselves into service to help pay the bills. This clearly is not the type of slavery we usually think of today. The slavery mentioned in the Old Testament was really indentured servanthood and was a very different kind of institution than the New World slavery that developed in modern times. And this is a, a one big objection I have to the King James translation. It uses the word slave uh, where it should, it, should, it should be servant, although there might be passages where slave does apply. In other words, a person who is in, not, not indentured but owned by the master, okay? But even there, we, uh, the master is not to mistreat the servant, okay? So we'll, uh, we'll read uh, the rest of the Torah with this <clears throat> issue in mind so we can make a, a, a final determination whether or not chattel slavery. Now, the word uh, man in uh, verse 16 2116 is uh, ish, okay? It's not Adam, but that, that, that doesn't mean that we can own non-Adamic slaves, okay? Or uh, indenture <laughs> non-Adamic people, right? Well, we'll find out. Well, uh, there, there's got to be a definitive verse or two that tells us whether, if the Israelites ever enslaved non, uh, non-Israelites or non-Adamites for the purpose of you know, owning them forever. Back to you. <clears throat> we should compare Hebrew debt servanthood, many translations render this slavery, more fairly to apprentice-like positions to pay off debts, much like the indentured servitude during America's founding when people worked for approximately seven years to pay off the debt for their passage to the new world. Then they became free. Uh, very interesting. So that indentured <clears throat> servitude was biblically based. Why did they pick seven years? Oh, that's the uh, yeah. Every seven years, they're supposed to release all debts. There you go. So the biblical tradition was kept by even slave owners. You know, the, yeah. But a lot of these people were kidnapped. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a total violation. So the British, uh, the British Empire needs to be punished <laughs> for yeah. for for kidnapping so many people, you know, obviously against their will. Back to you. In most cases, servanthood was more like a live-in employee, temporarily embedded within the employer's household. Even today, teams trade sports players to another team that has an owner, and these players belong to a franchise. This language hardly suggests slavery, but rather a formal contractual agreement to be fulfilled, like in the Old Testament. Through failed crops or other disasters, debt tended to come to families, not just individuals. One could voluntarily enter into a contractual agreement or sell himself to work in the household of another. One of your countrymen becomes poor and sells himself. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 47. A wife or children could be sold to help sustain the family through economically unbearable times, unless kinfolk redeemed them or paid their debt. They would be debt servants for six years. A family might need to mortgage their land until the end, until the year of Jubilee every 50 years. Amen. And then they had to let them all, let them all go. Okay. On that 50th year. They exactly. Were, they were let go. Yes. <clears throat> Note, in the Old Testament, outsiders did not impose servanthood, as in the antebellum South. Masters could hire servants from year to year, and we're not to rule over them ruthlessly. 
We just got through discussing that. Mm-hmm. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 46 and 53. Rather than being excluded from Israelite society, servants were thoroughly embedded within Israelite homes. The Old Testament prohibited unavoidable lifelong servanthood unless someone loved his master and wanted to attach himself to him. Exodus chapter 21, verse 5. Masters were to grant their servants release every seventh year with all debts forgiven. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 35 through 43. A slave's legal status was unique in the ancient Near East. A dramatic improvement over ancient Near East law codes. Hebrew has no vocabulary of slavery, only of servanthood. Okay. Now, it's interesting because Jews have never forgiven our debts, (laughs) right? (laughs) <laughs> never. <laughs> never. And they never will. We're just going to have to have another revolution, folks. Back to you. An Israelite servant's guaranteed eventual release within seven years was a control or regulation to prevent the abuse and institutionalizing of such positions. Very good. But the at release, least, uh, Let me interject here. But even uh-huh. with chattel sl- slavery in the South, the owner was not likely to abuse the slave precisely because he needed that slave to perform work, right? So the, the whip and other punishments were uh, put, brought out sparingly because, you know, if you have a prime horse or a mule or a donkey that does good work, well, I mean, you may whip the donkey until it starts to behave. Or, uh, you know, if you injure that donkey, then you really lost your investment for quite some time or maybe forever. So the idea that the white Southerners who held slaves were constantly abusive is a false impression. In fact, uh, I think the, uh, it, they, they violated Yahweh's law in the other direction. They were too friendly with the black slaves. They, they lived in the same house with them. They're, the house slaves became too friendly with the white owners, and uh, that should not be permitted. Back to you. Yeah, I mean, that's really common sense. You're not going to take your, your investment and beat it so badly that it can't perform the 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 job that right. you, you you know or, or, spend or, money on to. yeah or take a sledgehammer to your uh, junker because it won't run anymore <laughs> it may be fixable folks it may be okay yeah that's that's common sense but uh, everybody believes that they were constantly dragging out the whip no it didn't work that way. Okay. That would have been very uh, counterproductive. And inefficient, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> the release year reminded the Israelites that poverty-induced servanthood was not an ideal social arrangement. On the other hand, servanthood existed in Israel precisely because poverty existed. No poverty, no servants in Israel. And if servants lived in Israel, this was voluntarily, typically poverty-induced not forced. So what do we have today? Jail. Yeah. How well does that work? Yeah. It doesn't work too well, does it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Israel's servant laws were concerned about controlling or regulating, not idealizing an inferior work arrangement. Israelites entered into servitude voluntarily, though not optimal. The intent of Israel's laws was to combat potential abuses not to institutionalize servitude. The Old Testament punished forced slavery by death. Mm. Once, once a master freed a person from his servant obligations, 
the former servant had the status of full and unencumbered citizenship. Very good. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, he doesn't cite the verse. Maybe he will. We'll probably run across it. But he says the Old Testament punished forced slavery by death. Yeah, well, uh, the kidnapping would be one of those, and kidnapping is punished mm-hmm. by death. Okay, back to you. <clears throat> Old Testament legislation sought to prevent voluntary debt servitude. God gave Mosaic legislation to prevent the poor from entering, even temporarily, into voluntary indentured service. The poor could glean the edges of fields or pick lingering fruit on trees after their fellow Israelites' harvest. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, and Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 20 and 21, and Exodus chapter 23, verse 10. Also, God commanded fellow Israelites to lend freely to the poor. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. And not to charge them interest. Exodus chapter 22, verse 25. And Leviticus chapter 25, verses 36 and 37. And when the poor could not afford sacrificial animals, they could sacrifice smaller, less expensive ones. Leviticus chapter 5, verses 7 and 11. Also, people were to automatically cancel debts every seven years. Uh-oh. <laughs> when has a modern bank ever done that? Never. Okay. <laughs> and when a master released his debt servants, he was to generously provide for them without a grudging heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. The bottom line, God did not want there to be any poverty or servanthood in Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4. So servant laws existed to help the poor, not harm them or keep exactly, them down. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Rather than relegating treatment of servants or slaves to the end of the law code, commonly done in other A&E law codes, the matter is front and center in Exodus chapter 21. For the first time in the A&E, God's legislation required treating servants or slaves as persons, not property. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, affirms that all humans are God's image bearers. Well, that, so, uh, no, that only the Adamites are. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. He didn't, he didn't get yeah. that one right. But. Right. <clears throat> Job states that master and slave alike come from the mother's womb and are ultimately equals. Job chapter 31, verses 13 through 15. As one scholar writes, we have in the Bible the first appeals in world literature to treat slaves as human beings for their own sake and not just in the interests of their masters. Okay, so they were essentially hired servants, but the reason they were hired was because they had personal problems that they couldn't solve, etc. Okay, so and other than that... You know, we'll have to read through very carefully from this point on, and it goes throughout Deuteronomy, uh, institutes of servanthood, which I prefer to call it servanthood than slavery because it gives the false impression modern people actually believe that the Old Testament, uh, you know, says that slavery is good, that chattel slavery is good. It's not the same, but we'll uh, read the scriptures very carefully to find any counterexamples. Back to you. All right. A simple comparison of Israel's law code with those of the rest of the A&E reveal three remarkable differences. If Bible-believing Southerners had followed these three provisions 
antebellum slavery would not have existed or been much of an issue. Number one, anti-harm laws. One marked improvement of Israel's laws over other A&E law codes is the release of injured servants. Hmm. Exodus chapter 21, verses 26 and 27. When an employer or master accidentally gouged out the eye or knocked out the tooth of his male or female servant slash employee, he or she was to go free. God did not allow physical abuse of servants. If an employer's disciplining his servant resulted in immediate death, that employer or master was to be put to death for murder. Uh-oh. Exodus chapter 21, <laughs> verse 20. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Unlike other A&E codes, <clears throat> in fact, Babylon's Hammurabi's code permitted the master to cut off his disobedient slave's ear. Typically, in A&E law codes, masters, not slaves, were merely financially compensated. The Mosaic law, however, held masters to legal account for their treatment of their own servants, not simply another person's servants. Number two, anti-kidnapping laws. Another unique feature of the Mosaic law is its condemnation of kidnapping of a person to sell as a slave, Mm. an act punishable by death. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 7. Kidnapping, of course, is how slavery in the antebellum South could get off the ground. Well, okay, and that's, of course, true for indentured servitude of white servants as well. Okay, And another fact is that the white indentured servants were often abused badly and overworked because the owner knew that the uh, you know the time would be up, <laughs> right? So they tried to get as much work out of them as possible. Mm-hmm. So white white slaves, quote unquote, were actually treated worse than blacks. Mm-hmm. Three anti-return laws. Unlike the antebellum South, Israel was to offer safe harbor to foreign runaway slaves. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter twenty-three, verses fifteen and sixteen a marked contrast to the southern state's fugitive slave law. Hammurabi's code demanded the death penalty for those helping runaway slaves. In other less severe cases, in the Lipit Ishtar, Eshuna, and Hittite laws, fines were exacted for sheltering fugitive slaves. Some claim that this is an improvement. Well, sort of. In these improved scenarios, the slave was still just property. The A&E extradition arrangement still required that the slave be returned to his master. And not only this, the slave was going back to the harsh conditions that prompted him to run away in the first place. Even upgraded laws in the first millennium B.C. Babylon included compensation to the owner, or perhaps something more severe, for harboring a runaway slave. Yet the returned slaves themselves were disfigured, including slitting ears and branding. This isn't the kind of improvement to publicize to why. <laughs> okay, now, of course, this author uh, assumes that... Uh, Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright observes. Hello? Yeah, yeah. are you there? You still there? Yeah, I can yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had a connection problem there, so yeah, please continue. Okay. Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright observes, no other ancient Near Eastern law has been found that holds a master to account for the treatment of his own slaves, as distinct from the injury done to the slave of another master. And the otherwise universal law regarding runaway slaves 
was that they must be sent back with severe penalties for those who failed to comply. If the South had followed these three clear laws from Exodus and Deuteronomy, slavery would, been, would have been a non-issue. What's more, Israel's treatment of sl- servants or slaves was unparalleled in the A&E. Okay. So let's be careful and historically accurate when attempting to equate the African slave trade to the forms of slavery and servanthood you hear about in the Bible. We still have slavery today, and it takes place in the prisons. People pay a debt they owe society there. Lastly, it is good to remember that the Israelites themselves were slaves of the Egyptians for 400 years, and God delivered them, bringing judgment on all of Egypt for this oppression. God hates it. And so God delivering his people from the bonds of slavery is one of the key themes of Scripture. And the Exodus points us to Christ who sets us free from bondage. Okay, very interesting. So the idea, uh, he seems to accept the idea that it's all right for white slave owners to own uh, or indenture non-whites. And I don't think that's uh, permitted in Scripture. Okay, basically... Uh, we're talking about societal interactions between Israelites and the occasional Adamite that uh, infringed or resided in Israelite territory, okay? I don't think a black person would ever (laughs) have entered Israelite territory or be left alive to to stay there, okay? That, that That just never happened, okay? So, uh, so the uh, in, uh, slavery in the South becomes a very, very complicated issue, uh, whether or not we are allowed to own, quote unquote, own non uh, anybody really uh, for uh, the, the rest of their lives. I, I don't see that in Scripture. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out as we go through it. Okay. But he also right. makes a mistake when he says people pay a debt they owe to society there. No, they don't. The, the, the debt they owe is to the, the victim, the person they victimize. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that person never gets compensated under our laws, current laws, modern laws. Actually, okay? we end up paying for it. That's right. Yeah, the society. We pay the taxes to, to yeah. imprison them. Right. Society pays the, the debt. Right, the rest yeah. of us pay the debt. So he he miss he misspoke there. I don't think he meant to do that. Uh, that's a problematic statement. All right, so let's go Other back. Other than that, a pretty good article, though. Yes, yeah, a very good article. Okay, so let's go back to Exodus. We were in chapter twenty-one, and we um, let's see where should we pick? I guess uh, yeah. Uh, let's go to Exodus twenty-one fourteen. Okay, and pick up from there. Okay. Okay. Exodus 21, verse 14. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. Mm. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And he that stealeth a man, speaking of kidnapping, and sell him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Okay, so if, you, if you're merely discovered with a kidnappee, you will be put to death. So really, all of those 
Jewish slave ship owners should have been put to death. That's correct. They were actually going over there and kidnapping these yeah. these blacks. Yeah, but the white slave owners in the South <laughs> were paying them instead. Yeah, they <laughs> okay. were. They were yeah. paying them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse 17. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Amen. And if yeah. men strive together and one smite another with a stone... Or with his fist, and he die not, but keep his, keepeth his bed. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. So quit. This must be uh, the word quit here means innocent or he will be um, you know, absolved of any responsibility if the servant uh, recovers and leaves, okay? So, but, uh, yeah, so that's uh, probably the origin of the word quit claim, where, uh, you know, the the property is uh, indenture-free. There's no claims upon that property, okay? So so that's what the word quit means. So let's get the uh, actual, it's knockaw, to be clean, literally or figuratively by impl- implication, to be bare, that is extirpated, uh, we need a definition for that, but cut off, extirpated means cut off. But uh, ultimately it means guiltless, innocent, etc. Okay? All right, <clears throat> verse 20. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall be surely punished. Okay, so it's interesting. Punished, it does that. Uh, maybe because uh, <laughs> you didn't intend to kill that person? Okay, he shall be avenged, it means. Okay, the word punished comes from uh, vengeance or avenged. Nakam, back to you. Verse 21, notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. Okay, uh, okay, uh, uh, continue a day or two. Uh, let's see. That's, that's, uh, go ahead. What, what, what do you think that means? Oh, uh, um, wow. That's confusing. Yeah. Um, that's d- d- difficult. Yeah. So if, if the servant recovers, apparently, uh, if the if servant. If he continues living, I guess. Yeah, I guess. He got yeah. Hurt badly, but he's, he's back yeah. up after a day or two. Probably something like that. Punished. Okay. For he is his money. In other words, well, uh, being his servant, he's valuable to mm-hmm. the master, and uh, but uh, that's presuming they they have a good relationship moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not likely. Anyway, it's possible, but I don't think that's likely. All right, back to you. Verse twenty-two: If men strive and hurt a woman with child, mm. so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. Yes. Now, interesting. Now, here the word fruit is applied to Adamites, okay, just like that forbidden fruit in in Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 3, okay, actually chapter 2 as well. But that forbidden fruit, uh, again, the scriptures use metaphorical language, but I don't think it was metaphorical language in Hebrew. 
because there were so uh, so many associations with Adamites and trees bearing fruit that it may be metaphorical in our day, but it wasn't then. Back to you. Verse 23. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth Mm -hmm. for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Okay, so whatever you do to injure another person shall be done to you. That's only fair. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, other societies didn't have this type of law. They were constantly getting away with murder, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And slavery. Yep. Verse 26, and if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maid, that it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. If a if an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. Okay, so he will be pronounced innocent. Innocent, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. So this is an accidental goring that you know, probably happened on occasion. But uh, the next verse uh, clarifies it. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and it has been testified to his owner, and he has not kept him in, but that he has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. Wow. So this is a case, I guess, where the owner knows that this ox is dangerous, but he doesn't keep him um, him away from everybody. Right. So if you got a pit bull... Okay. And you know it's dangerous. <laughs> right. And you don't keep it on a leash. Uh, then if that pit bull injures or kills somebody, which pit bulls have been known to do, then you are guilty and you shall be put to death under this law mm-hmm. if, the, if it kills somebody. And the, the, those uh, pit bulls often and other dogs often kill children. Verse 30. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. I think what this means is if um, the injured party uh, requests that you pay instead of uh, pay him money for the injury, then you should go. Uh, you probably want to negotiate, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you should pay it. Mm-hmm. Verse 31. Whether he have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to this judgment shall it be done unto him. If the ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. (laughs) Okay. Now, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. He shall give unto their master... If the ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, maybe this is uh, an ox that's not owned by the master, the, the, their, their master. So, uh, but the ox... It, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't say anything about the, the, the master. It just says the ox shall be stoned. But yeah. where does the 30 shekels come into play? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why does the master get 30 shekels if his ox has, has uh, pushed somebody else? Uh, it's probably uh, another master's ox that uh, is being referenced here. 
okay, and uh, that he pays their master 30 shekels of silver to, uh, you know, maybe uh, compensate the uh, servants for their injury. Maybe that's what's going on here. It's not clear. So uh, this verse needs a little background. Back to you. Yeah, that was, that's a tough one there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Verse 33, and if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. Okay, it belongs to me. I guess I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) If you break it, you buy it. So that's actually biblical. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And if one man's ox hurt another, hurt another's that he die, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money of it. And the dead ox also they shall divide. Okay, so this is obviously an accidental, you know, hurting. Yeah. So that's fair. You, you, uh, one guy loses his ox totally, and so the uh, perpetrating ox must compensate the uh, the dead ox. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is ox law, folks. Ox law. <laughs> All right. Okay. Or if it be known that the ox has used to push in times past, and his owner has not kept it in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead shall be his own. Okay. So, so there again. we have the same kind of example that you, as like you pointed out earlier, with the pit bull. Yeah. Not keeping the, the, the pit bull on a leash if you know he's uh, dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've had that. Well, I haven't actually. I've only been bitten by a dog one time. He nipped at my heel and hardly injured me at all. But uh, I have run into pit bulls who were on a leash, you know, tied to a post and things like that, who would have nailed me if the if they didn't have mm-hmm. a leash. You know, they would have nailed me bad. <laughs> all right, let's go. Ver- chapter twenty-two. Chapter 22, verse 1, If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Okay, now this is interesting. Remember the cattle rustling days of the Old West <laughs> where, where wars were fought over uh, horse thieves and, and, and cattle thieves, right? So obviously this should never happen, but it does. And it's not just one for one, too. It's yeah. Five, five for one for the ox and four yeah. for one for the sheep. Yeah, well, that's why they branded their cattle and sheep so that they could, you know, well, obviously if somebody kills a sheep and discards the uh, skin, then it's not likely you'll ever discover it. But you may, right? So you know, this was big time thievery in the Old West. And it, actually, it still is even today, mm-hmm. right? Okay. <clears throat> Verse 2. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. There's where we get the uh, yeah. indentured servitude the uh, or slavery, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and right. Servitude. For, yeah, let's servitude, just call it yeah. servitude unless otherwise indicated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Verse four: If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, Uh-oh. whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. Okay. Caught red-handed. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Got Probably blood. 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 Yeah, because there was blood on his hands. Caught red-handed. Good stuff. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast and shall feed in another man's field or the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard, shall he make restitution. Okay, so in other words, if you let your uh, your pigs run into another guy's field and they eat it all up, you will make restitution. You got to pay it back, yeah. Oh, man, okay, yes. If a, if a fire break out and catch in thorns so that the stacks of corn or the standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. Mm-hmm. If restitution, shall, yeah, restitution, restitution, restitution. That's yep. what's supposed to happen. Okay. There is no uh, prison system. No. It's, it no, and, and, and non-whites shouldn't be living with us anyway. Obviously, right. you know, uh, we would probably have to have a holding cell for those people until they are deported, but uh, etc. Okay. Yep. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him pay double. Let him pay double. Now, this is interesting because Meyer Amschel Rothschild was holding the goods of the elector of Hesse when uh, the French army ran over Germany, right? And so he instructed Rothschild to hide it as best as he could, and uh, Rothschild did so. However, he used that money to uh, uh, loan, to make loans, okay? And he got filthy rich making those loans, okay? I was just thinking that. Yeah. I bet he was going to use that. I bet he loaned that money out. Oh, he sure did. He sure did. He did pay it all back after after making probably billions in profits off the war, right? But he did pay it back, but he did not tell the elector of Hesse that he was going to use that money for loans. Okay, of course he didn't not. No, of course not. All right, all right. Back to you. <clears throat> if the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he have put his hand unto his neighbor's goods. Hmm. Thou shalt manner, not steal. <laughs> yep. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challenges to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, ah, okay. and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Okay, yeah, so in other words, if the if it's not a clear issue, most of the time it's pretty clear, right, especially if there's witnesses, but sometimes it's like an auto accident. It depends on your perspective, who who's really guilty, you know. But uh, uh, obviously, judges are required to sort that kind of stuff out. But not Jewish judges, not black judges, not liberal judges, right? Not Democratic judges, Israelite judges. Mm-hmm. Right. Verse 10. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, 
Then shall an oath of Yahweh be between them both, that he has put not his hand unto his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good. Okay, so if you uh, uh, have a a couple of ounces of gold (laughs) and give it to your friend to hide away, and he loses it, and you can't prove that he spent it, uh, then you're just going to have to, uh, you know, accept what he has to say, you know, or, or grill him, you know, whatever you have to do. But that's something you shouldn't do in the first place if you can avoid it, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. And if it be stolen from him, then he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness, and he shall not make good that which was torn. And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. So, again, this is a problematic element of law. If you're holding someone else's property temporarily... Uh, th- that should have a contract with it, right? Uh, that's the best way to do it. You know, obviously, uh, you, you have to trust that person that you're uh, allowing to hold your goods, but you also have to understand that it may be damaged. They're not going to treat your property as mm-hmm. as, a, as if it belongs to them, you know, because it really doesn't. <laughs> you know, you expect them to guard it 24 hours a day, right? Well, they're, they're going to have to hide it away, but that's not always possible. Okay, back right. to you. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Verse 16. And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. If her father utterly refused to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> so, in other words, this case of rape is not punished by death, uh, but by uh, a monetary penalty. Very interesting. I don't know. Is this really a rape case, or is this just like a seduction? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, it does. Uh, well, uh, if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed, and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. So, in other words, a shotgun wedding <laughs> yeah. is permitted, right? Yeah, uh, it doesn't really sound like a rape to me. It sounds like okay. uh, just, uh, you know, he smooth-talked okay. her. And, and oh, yeah, right, okay. No, yeah. no, 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 no. The feminists say that's rape. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. So, but there, there will be a penalty to be paid. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be uh, seducing mm-hmm. a maid, okay? I mean, that's something, uh, if you want to lie with her, you go to her father and ask for her hand in marriage. That's how you do it. Back to you. If her father utter okay, I think I read this already. Yeah. If her father utterly refused to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. Verse 18, thou shalt not suffer a witch mm. to live. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep. Verse 19, whosoever lieth with a beast shall surely be put to death. This is an interesting one here. Mm-hmm. It's word beast. Right. And it is, uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Behemoth. Behemoth, right. I would think this would be would, would be Che. But yeah, it could be either. 
Okay. Uh, che is more often uh, 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 imputed to two-legged beasts. Okay, but mm-hmm. it can it can be either, because even even in modern times, blacks and other non-whites were considered to be beasts of burden. That's okay. what I'm thinking here. Is what yeah. this is referring to. Right. But. So certainly, uh, interspecies <laughs> sexual relationships. Now, that, of course, Muslims don't punish that, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not part of Muslim law. But uh, yeah, certainly, um, you know, human it applies to Israelites especially. We are not to lie with you know, animals, absolutely not. And we must consider non-whites to be a part of the animal kingdom. You know, mm-hmm. we're not to lie with them. Back to you. <clears throat> Verse 20, he that sacrifice unto any god, save unto Yahweh only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Ooh, ooh, wow. Okay. Oh, all those pagans out there? <laughs> <laughs> White pagans? Yeah. Okay. You better repent. Back to you. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Okay, stranger is Ger. So one of our own people. Yeah, yeah. an Adamite. An Adamite, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Mm -hmm. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. Yeah, now consider uh, the Latino world, which is essentially under the, the thrall of the Roman Catholic Church. You have street street urchins everywhere in the Latino world. They they simply throw them out. You know they bear children. I don't know. They probably well they they've probably in the bigger cities have abortion. You know, and infanticide just as we do. But uh, you know our society has always been more uh, you know kind to the fatherless children. Always. I mean, the the comparison is stark until recent times when abortion became legal in 1973, thanks to the Jew-influenced Supreme Court, right? So up until that point in time, uh, fatherless or parentless children were were treated very well by Christian society. Back to you. Verse 24. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows. And your children fatherless. Mm-hmm. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. Boy, okay. we don't follow that one, do we? Oh, right, right. We're not to lend money upon you, or anything. Yeah, anything. So if I, if I gave you a bushel of wheat and demanded you pay me two back, that's usury. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're not to do that. We're not to do that to each other, Israelites. That's the law. Back to you. Verse 26. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him, by that the sun goeth down. For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? (laughs) And it shall come to pass, when he cries unto me, that I will hear for I am gracious. Okay, so that's presuming that the person is very poor and only has one <laughs> one gown, so to speak, to cover himself with. 
uh, so you shall give it back to him before the sun goes down. Uh, that's got to be a very special circumstance. Maybe that would happen frequently in those days. I don't know. But uh, obviously, that would, today, there's hardly any person who doesn't have more than one suit of clothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have homeless people yep. today. That, you know, Only have one suit of clothes. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here in Chicago, uh, they have stacks and stacks and stacks of clothing <laughs> in their tent <laughs> cities, right? So, okay, they, they get them out of the garbage, right? They're tossed out, or they can go to the donation um, uh, bins that are scattered all over the city, used clothing. But typically, what happens? Uh, those bins are filled up, and then the clothing piles up outside the bin and gets wet and dirty, right? So <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah. Verse 28, thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Okay, so gods, Vile what are we gods. talking here? Yeah, Elohim. Okay, because uh, it, oh, it can mean magistrates, okay? Okay. I think I think this has got to be a bad translation here, okay? And we found out in the case of uh, uh, Rachel that uh, she uh, supposedly carried her gods with her, and we found out that those were actually documents mm-hmm. of her for her inheritance. So I think we have another case of the word gods being uh, falsely translated here. Okay, so let me just read uh, plural of L. Okay, um, occasionally applied by way of deference to magistrates, and sometimes as a superlative, angels, exceeding, judges, mighty, etc. So it can be be a reference to Israelites who are in a position of authority, and the um, after the comma, I think that's implied. Nor curse the ruler of thy people, okay? So this is a a failing by the King James Translation Committee, okay? Uh, Ruler here is sheik, nasi, can be translated king or sheik, uh, captain, chief, governor, prince, ruler, etc., okay? So I think the word gods here is a poor translation. Looks okay. Verse 29. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Okay, Dima, liquors, a tear, figuratively juice. Okay. So it's saying to give your best, to offer your best, your first fruits. Right, right, exactly. To the, the firstborn of thy sons shalt I give unto me, right? That's, and Cain did not do that. <laughs> he, right. He didn't give offer the first fruit. He gave second best, okay, yeah. which is typically what a Jew does. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Verse 30. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with his dam. On the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. With his dam, what is that? Okay, what does that uh, mean? a mother as the bond. Uh, okay, so before you take a, a ewe, uh, no, I'm sorry, a lamb away from the ewe, uh, it must stay with that ewe for uh, seven days. Apparently, uh, a little bit okay. of weaning has to take place. Okay. 
Got it. Okay. Verse 31. And ye shall be holy men unto me, neither shall ye eat any flesh that is torn of beasts in the field. Ye shall cast it to the dogs. Okay. All right. And here again, the word holy, uh, H6944, Kodesh, a sacred place or thing. Uh, rarely and abstractly sanctity, but it means consecrated, dedicated, hallowed, holy saint sanctuary. It essentially means set apart. We are a holy people, okay, set apart from other people. Uh, the fact of the matter is our people were rarely uh, holy in the sense of being uh, obedient to Yahweh's laws, okay? <laughs> so... Uh, it does, sometimes it means that, but most of the time it means dedicated or sanctified for a certain purpose. And as he says, you belong to me, okay? And uh, you shall act accordingly, but most of our people don't, not even today. The vast majority of people, white people who call themselves Christians, uh, don't follow his laws. They certainly don't go through Exodus 22 <laughs> on a regular basis. To guide their behavior, right? They, they follow Jewish law. Mm-hmm. That's the problem our people have, okay? All right, folks, this is uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, obviously, our people are no longer following Yahweh's laws, and our people are not inclined to. Nevertheless, they will, ab- they will abide tyranny by Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, by the way, I put a, a genealogy of Klaus Schwab up on Eurofolk Radio in the David Martin post I did recently, proving that he is a Rothschild. He is a descendant of the Rothschild. So it, they keep it in the family, folks. <laughs> Tyranny is kept in their family. When will our people ever learn, Dan? When will they learn? All right. I don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, probably uh, be savvy, folks, and don't believe Jew lies. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dan. See you all next time. Yeah. Bye-bye, folks. Take care. Bye.